listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Uh, normally, we do a text on Proverbs. We're kind of going through Proverbs, looking at the interpretation of Proverbs for us. However, because of the ascension, which we talked about, that occurred on a Thursday, we didn't really get to talk about any of the readings from the 7th Sunday of Easter. And one of the important readings is from 1 Peter chapter 4. So we're going to be taking a look at that. And here's the question. How many people would want to become Christian when you tell them that when you become a Christian, you will endure suffering? Well, who wants to endure suffering? But that's why 1 Peter 4 is written, to help us explain the kind of suffering that God indicates that you will suffer as a Christian in this world. It begins with verse 1. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh... And some manuscripts add, for us or for you. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, you see, the purpose of a pastor is not just to read the text. Anybody can read the text. But what is the interpretation of that text? What does that mean when Peter is saying that if you suffer, that you are ceased from sin? Well, we have to go on. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. And here the word Gentile is really referring to those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. And that can include also Jews, namely scribes who had the Bible memorized to the point where they could tell you what the middle verse was, let alone the middle letter of the Bible. And yet when Jesus came, they did not recognize him as the Messiah. They did not understand the proper interpretation of the Bible. And Peter describes what he means by a Gentile. Those who live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Well, what he's talking about is those people who do not believe in Jesus and therefore they live a life that they think is okay, but it involves much sin. And then it says, verse 4, With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Is that not true in the world today? Look at how many people 
are living immoral lifestyles, thinking that it's okay to do abortions or be in a gay relationship or change their gender by means of surgery or decide, no, I've had enough of this life and hire a doctor to put them to death, which is legal in some states. These are people who God is ready to judge. But this is why the gospel was preached according to verse six. Even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. And that's what Peter is talking about. That when you suffer for Christ, you are no longer living in sin. But that suffering is because either of a confession you have made to others or a lifestyle that the world does not agree with. Therefore, Peter says, verse 7, chapter 4, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Remember, that's what Jesus did. He didn't grumble against the people who were crucifying him. Instead, he asked the Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Then, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Now, what does that mean? What's an oracle of God? It is a message from God that is revealed to us. It really can go all the way back to Genesis, where God revealed through the serpent that Eve, through her seed, would come a savior. But he would suffer because Satan would bruise his ankle. But he would crush the head of Satan. That means he would be put to death. And therefore, God will keep us from being taken into Satan's family. That's speaking oracles of God. And whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. I've been involved with many congregations. And it's always interesting that in every congregation, there are those who love to serve the Lord. I had a individual in my original congregation for 28 years. She would help out in serving food to the vacation Bible school children. She would help out in cleaning around the church. She would cut the lawn. She would take care of weeds. Now that's serving God. And she would also 
come to Bible class and express her faith through the oracles of God. There seems to be those people in every congregation. And why? In order that everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Therefore, verse 12 is talking to you as a Christian. While the world is surprised that we don't follow their unrepentant behavior, verse 12 says, Beloved, you do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Jesus, you are blessed because the Spirit of God is upon you, the Spirit of glory. Remember, Jesus ascended into heaven, but he is always with you because in his humanity, he is everywhere. That's why we take the Lord's Supper, knowing we're receiving the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're insulted for the name of Christ, and that is happening to even workers in offices, they will speak out against a gay marriage and the other immoral things that are happening in our society. And in some cases, they may even lose their jobs because you're not supposed to insult people. Well, how you are insulting people by warning them against living in an unrepentant life is beyond me. That would be like having a child and you know they're on drugs, but you don't say anything to them because you don't want to lose the relationship with that child. I just saw a movie and there was a mother who always blamed herself for when her daughter got angry at her. And the father tried to help her, but she also was drinking alcohol beverages. And so she wasn't thinking straight. And it ended up that the daughter even pulled a knife on the parents and the police had to be called and the daughter was arrested. This got her to think differently especially when she found her boyfriend with another woman. This did not make her happy. And so the final scene in the movie is that the father had arranged counseling for the family. And the son, who was also now drinking, he came, the daughter showed up, and the mother showed up. And she said, we all need to be helped. You see, this is something you need to understand. People in the world need to be helped. They know that what they are doing is not making them happy. 
and they're trying to figure out who can help me. This is why it's kind of important in congregations that older people make a commitment to speak with the younger members of the congregation. They may be those who just were confirmed and encourage them to continue not only in the church, but in Bible study and reading the Bible. But it's most important to have a pastor who understands the original languages of the Hebrew and the Greek. He may therefore understand interpretations of the Bible that are not so clear to the laity, especially when you tell them, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. But rejoice, this is verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 4. But rejoice for the name of Christ. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But then listen to the next part. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Because if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, what does it mean to obey the gospel of God? It means to believe the promises of the gospel. The gospel is not law. Remember the difference between law and gospel. You know you're reading the law when you have to meet a certain requirement before you are blessed. Do this and you will live. That's law. In fact, I've even heard so-called Christian pastors say to their people, you are not being blessed because you're not doing enough good works. I don't know what God they're talking about, but they're not talking about the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible blesses his followers regardless of their lifestyle. In other words, even a believer often falls into sin, but we are blessed as we recognize that sin and repent of it, and God forgives that sin. That repentance is also a gift of the Holy Spirit because the world doesn't think you need to repent of sin because the world lives on the basis of the theory of evolution. You take a look at animals from an evolutionary point of view. For example, a lion has no problem in killing lionesses who have not born little lions to him. He'll even eat the little lions that did not come from him. Now, that's evolution. That's why people commit abortion, because 
they don't want to be saddled with that which they need to be doing, namely taking care of little children. I yet haven't figured out why on the internet there isn't a video of a child in the womb being aborted. I think that would make a big difference. People would begin to understand the pain that the child endures for whatever way it's being aborted. And it will show that women who do commit abortion can be considered as breaking the fifth commandment. Thou shalt not murder. Now, can they be forgiven? There is no sin that cannot be forgiven when one recognizes the evil that it is. And that's what Peter is talking about. You will at times experience evil because of your sin. In fact, the book of Proverbs makes it very clear that every time you sin, God does punish you in some way. You may not recognize the punishment that's allotted to your particular sin. But for example, talk to pastors who are dealing with marriages where, for example, let's say the husband decides to have a mistress and he leaves his wife and joins with the mistress. Well, then things begin to happen in the family. The children are angry with him. They don't appreciate him as their father any longer. He thinks he still believes in Jesus, but he does not. Because you cannot live in unrepentant sin, living with a mistress while you're being married. Just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, what was it, polygamous? Namely, people who in some areas now can be considered as a family, up to six individuals as though they're married to one another. We, we used to call that bigamy, but now because of evolution and since animals do it, well, why can't we? Well, what people forget is what happens in evolution is really a result of the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. Prior to evolution, it was very clear that lions and other animals would eat vegetation. They would not kill. In fact, the first death of an animal in the Bible was done by Jesus to clothe naked Adam and Eve after they sinned. And so the whole world kind of fell apart. In the Garden of Eden, there were no tornadoes, there were no hurricanes, there were no floods. It's a reminder to us of what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a perfect paradise where we will be in total bliss at all times. It's really difficult to describe heaven because what does it mean to be in total bliss? Because that doesn't occur here on earth.
at times during a great worship service, you may feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart and love being a believer in Jesus Christ. But you are therefore blessed when you suffer in his name. That means you suffer because you are witnessing in his name. Do not suffer as a murderer. This is verse 15. As a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. You know, all the apostles except for John died a martyr's death. But even when they were put into prison, they were blessed because they were able to sing hymns in thankfulness to God for what he was doing with them. And, and remember, people who heard those hymns, many of them came to faith, like the jailer who brought the apostles to his house, had his family baptized, and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was blessed. He was insulted, of course, by being a Christian. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. You see, Jesus was humiliated. But that word isn't referred to as being ashamed. It refers instead to his being humbled, humbled to the point where he suffered extreme pain for the sake of you on that accursed cross. And throughout his life, when even the disciples would disagree with him, well, First Peter is saying, if you suffer for being a Christian, do not be embarrassed over that. Do not be ashamed. For it is time for judgment. This is verse 17 of chapter 4 of First Peter. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God's word? Notice, the gospel is not something that a pastor invents. It's found in the word of God. In fact, the oracles of God are simply to be repeated by a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or by parents as they bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. For it is time for judgment to begin. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? Well, we know what will become of them if they continue in unrepentant sin. That's the parable of the sheep and the goats. The goats, when they die, go into eternal damnation. They go to hell. 
and they are not blessed, as are the Christians who go into eternal bliss. Therefore, and this is the ending of chapter 4, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, therefore, yes, you will be judged as being ridiculous when you speak out against the sins of the world. Because those in the world do not recognize them as sins. They don't think they need a savior. But their life many times are found to be wanting. Very, very rich people, when someone in their family dies, you often hear them saying, oh, I would give all my money if my son or daughter was back with me. These are people who are in need. And we Christians have the solution to their problem. The solution is faith in Jesus Christ, which means what? You believe the promises. There are hundreds of promises in the Bible. That's why pastors will often encourage depressed people to read the book of Psalms because you can't read the book of Psalms without hearing those promises. And how true are those promises? Well, think of them as did the thief on the cross who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he's talking to a human being who's hanging on a cross. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the promise of God for every believer in Jesus Christ. And even though we suffer for being a Christian, that is a blessing as God sustains us. More on this on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.